on okay? Well, let me again express just some of the sentiments I think that were so worded so well in that prayer that you have made a selection and a choice to stay for the Bible study period this morning. And those periods that are offered by a congregation of soundness and faith like this one are very special times. And it is a sadness. In fact, it's a tragedy that so many choose not to, to, to avail themselves of that blessing because as we just learned this morning, it isn't a matter of relativism. We are expected by God to know what this book teaches and to implement it in our life and to also help others to understand that as well. Inasmuch as this series of lessons this week is going to touch on the matter of troubling compromises of the church, I thought this morning that for a brief moment we would look at one of the matters that in fact troubles not only the church but very many of our young people in particular because they're faced with it so much. Now I realize some, some of them are in other classes, but I do think that we as a parents, as grandparents, as older ones, can certainly exemplify in our life some of the matters that we're going to talk about in a moment and do so in a way that will help them greatly. There's the question. Isn't it amazing as you and I enjoy the beauty of this planet on which we walk, the greatness of this earth, one of the matters that is of very basic importance and one that is of very basic interest is how old is it? I suspect each of us can already see what so many in the world, in fact many of the teachers in our school systems are forced either directly or indirectly, to at least mention some of the other things that are going to be problematic this morning. So let me introduce this in the following way. We each know, and we'll need to be brief in our discussion this morning, but we each know that there is a raging debate between what is claimed to be science on the one hand and what is purported to be the realization of religion on the other. In fact, we see it in magazines. If you are one that reads National Geographic or if you're one that reads other kinds of magazines that have a scientific thrust, it's almost guaranteed that in that magazine, evolution, general evolution, I might say, is taught as an absolute fact. In fact, there are those who, and I could have presented the quotations, but I felt our time would be better spent otherwise, there are those who would in fact state this, that anybody that doesn't accept general evolution is either an idiot, is stupid, or is just plain ignorant. And so what others would be quick to say, say to our young people, put yourself in the position of a 13-year-old or perhaps a 16-year-old in a biology class in high school, and this stuff is in, the, is in their textbook. Pictures of people who at one time, if you trace back the evolution, were basically apes, gorillas, and so on and so on and so on like that. Well, if that student does not accept that, perhaps the friends in class might make fun of him or her, might make things very challenging and very difficult to say the least. And as you get into college, in some ways it gets even worse. Because now you have a very learned professor 
Some gentleman or lady who has invested years of effort and work in doing research and they will stand and matter-of-factly say, this is the way it was, and on test you're expected to tell me this, you're expected to accept it, and no right-thinking person will ever deny it. That's what you're told. It takes a great deal of courage and a great deal of commitment to faith to ever, in fact, go against the flow of that teaching. It is with that thought in mind that I would quickly say to you, there is a lot at stake in that very notion. There are some who will say, well, really, does, does that really matter? Can I just believe the earth is any age I want to? And does it have any implications for my faith? The answer is yes. And let me tell you why. The reason is that if this book says that it, the earth is, say, not old, if this book says that it's young, and you accept, in fact, that the earth is old, that means you're compromising this book. And so those passages that, in fact, teach that the earth is young, if you start compromising them, what about the other chapters in that same book? If you've compromised on this chapter, well, what's in the next chapter? How do you know that it's literal and true? If you compromise on one, why not the other? And if you start doing that, soon you'll compromise away almost everything in this book. You see the point? Do we each see the idea that is a dangerous one? And so over the next few moments, I'd like for us to in fact address this very issue and to do so in the following way. Let me first of all be very clear that we're going to discuss only one small feature of this entire presentation. If you want to at least think about the way that nature and the way that the earth is in fact a hallmark of God's creation, you could spend months and months and months with lessons. We're only going to look at one small part in the few moments we have this morning, and that's the age of this earth. Now as you look at the age of earth and ask what does this book say about it, let me be quick to say, it does say something. To many in the world, that's surprising. They're quick to say, well, this book doesn't say anything about when God made the earth. They're wrong on that point. They are absolutely wrong. Now, whether that comes from what they believe someone else has taught them, or whether they simply are accepting out of ignorance, I'm going to move this down a bit to see if that makes any difference on that. It might or it might not. But at any rate, whether it be direct ignorance or purposeful choice on their part, they are wrong. It does matter. First of all, here's what science is so quick to say. Science says this entire universe is only order of 15 billion years old. That's billion with a B. Now, it goes on to say the solar system in which our planet is is of course somewhat younger, but not all that much. But it leads directly to the fact that earth is about 5 billion years old. Now that's again what science tells you. You look in astronomy textbooks, the textbooks of our students over here at the high school, that's going to be the number that roughly is what's presented to them. Earth is just matter-of-factly stated to be about 5 billion years old. But then in addition to that, in this whole scheme of what they call evolution, man came along as a relative newcomer only about two million years ago. 
So here's the scheme. The universe, 15 billion. Earth, about 5 billion. And humanity, so they say, evolved about 2 million. Now that's million with an M, 2 million years ago. And as all that's presented, that leads us then to notice that the age of the earth is really a critical matter. Because let's state it like this. If you and I find in this book absolute statements from the God of heaven that the earth is far, far less than five billion years, then that must mean that there was not nearly enough time for evolution. You see, the whole key point of evolution is really this. It takes a lot of time, doesn't it? So much so that without that time, there, can't, there just simply cannot be general evolution. Well, that is no new revelation at all. So, there are many who have thus asserted that there must be ways to explain this. If science has found that the earth is that old, then surely there must be a way to work all that time into this book somehow. And thus one arrives at this matter called theistic evolution. Now, let's be a bit brief in at least thinking about what that attempts to do. Theistic evolution is basically this. That's a person who wants to hold a Bible in one hand, a science book in the other, and say both of them are right. It's a person who, again, doesn't want to abandon either one of them. But since science, and everybody wants to believe scientists, these people in their white coats who are on a determined pursuit of truth, who are not dissuaded by personal objectivity or personal subjectivity or bias. So they must be right. They've tested this in a lab. Earth must be that old. However, they still want to have some belief in this book. So here's what's often done. You'll notice that they attempt to take Genesis chapter 1 and insert vast amounts of time between verses 1 and 2 of that chapter. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. So between verse 1 and verse 2, they say there's really a division there. Literally billions of years were really between the two. So we're told, at least by some, that's one way they think they can get in enough time for evolution to have happened. Another way is to look at Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and say that's not literal. That was just a mythical story. Now they will say it teaches truth, but that it was not literal. There was never a literal Adam, a literal Eve. God didn't perform a literal surgery and take a rib from his side and make her. This is just basically an allegorical, mythical story. Now, might I suggest, those are the two famed ways of doing this. And as it's brought about, what obviously does that lead to interpreting those days of Genesis chapter 1? The Bible says there was a day 1, day 2, day 3, on up to day 6. So they take that word day and interpret that mythically. That is to say, non-literally so that that word day really means a long, long time. 
Now, might I be quick to say to you, and I've tried to specify some of those matters on, on the slide, if you start mythologizing Genesis chapters 1 and 2, it's pretty easy to keep on mythologizing, isn't it? It's pretty easy to just mythologize all the way into the New Testament. How do you know there was really a man named Jesus? If you're going to let me mythologize away Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and everybody else, what concrete proof can you then assert that lets me know there was a Paul and a Peter and a Jesus? Might I suggest, at the very least, that kind of approach encourages a doubt with regard to this book. If God said day, but if He really didn't mean day, then what did He mean? You see, it encourages doubt. It causes you to question what's in this book more than encouraging a solidity in faith. Not only that, you'll notice that near the bottom, let me also say to you, and it's beyond what time we have this morning, it's not that difficult in some ways to show that many of the features of general evolution are false. I know that professor at a university will stand up, matter-of-factly say it's true, but he or she ignores a lot of evidence that they never mention because they don't want you to hear the other side of the story. The entire construct of general evolution, all those ages of time, the geologic timetable, that's nothing but a construct of human imagination. If you wish to look for the truth, of course, you have to look to a far higher source than man. It is with that in mind that I would ask you again for just a few moments to turn with me to this book. You heard me say earlier that this book does say something about how old the earth is, and I'm sure you're probably wondering, where does it say it? And what does it say? Because I think we all want to know what that is so that we can be reminded ourselves of the value, plus to make sure our youngsters know it so that they can be ready and on guard when that teacher or that friend or that other person in a position of authority tells them something different, that they'll be ready because they will have heard what God has had to say about it. But of course that means we have to have a deep-seated trust in what this book says. Now it is at this point I should say, the Bible is not a textbook on science any more than it's a textbook on let's say, other subjects, such as beyond science. This isn't a textbook on history. It's not a textbook on philosophy. It's not a textbook per se on any of those areas. But let's make this point relatively clear. Anything that the Bible asserts and anything contained in it, no matter what subject it touches, is a true, absolute thing that must be appreciated. Now, as you think about that, let me just at least in passing say this. Think about geography for a moment. First of all, I don't know that anybody would use this as a textbook for geography, even ancient geography, because this isn't a treatise that discusses every country of the ancient world and tells us about their government, their culture, their ethnicity, their peoples. But this is the case. Anything that is said in this book, about any ancient culture is a true statement. 
And so when the Bible writers, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, touched on subjects relating to anything, be it science, what they said was true. Isn't it amazing that many of the things that science now recognizes as truth were stated in the book, in the Bible, long before science came to understand it. In fact, we each know that the earth is round. We've seen the pictures the astronauts have taken from their position in orbit looking back on this round earth. We know it's round. Ancient peoples didn't know it. You perhaps remember many of them thought it had an edge. And if you actually got close enough to it, you might be in danger of falling off of it. There were some who feared Columbus might, in fact, sail off the edge of it. Columbus sailed, as we remember, in 1492. I wonder how long ago God said it's round. Interesting, isn't it? In Isaiah 40, verse 22, the writings of Isaiah, 750 years before Jesus was ever born, said the earth is round. Now notice how much time passed. Scientists didn't find it out until well over 2,400 years later, but God said it in here that long ago. Now I make that statement, I make that point to say this book is believable. It is reliable. The claims of science, even though we hope that they've tested, they've repeated experiments, they've reached valid conclusions. If their initial premise, if their initial supposition was faulty, the conclusion is bound to be wrong. Now, with that said, I simply put this screen in place to quickly make this point. Genesis chapters 1 through 11 is literal, reliable, historical information. We cannot mythologize those chapters. Think about what happens if you do. It seems to me this is the single strongest argument as to why you cannot mythologize those chapters. Because Jesus, the Son of God, referred to them. And He referred to them as literal, accurate, actual truth. Now let's say that again. If Jesus, the very Son of God, referred to Genesis chapters 1 to 11 as literal truth, and if they really weren't literal truth, that means Jesus made a mistake. That means Jesus really didn't understand and know that it was not literal. And He said that it was. That means the Son of God made a mistake. Now you and I know the Son of God did not make any mistakes. And so if He said there was literally a man named Noah, and he did in Matthew 24. And he, if he said that there was literally an Adam and an Eve, and furthermore, that God joined them in marriage, and he did in Matthew 19, then that's enough for us, isn't it? There was a literal creation. Jesus said so. There were literal Adam and Eve. Jesus said so. There was a literal flood. The Lord said so. Now, with all of that in place again, that illustrates to us that these opening chapters must be taken as literal and real. So if they contain information relative to the age of earth, that settles it. Might I suggest to you near the bottom of that slide, what then does the Bible say? Is the age of the earth to be numbered in the billions of years, like scientists say, or is it to be numbered in ages far, far less than that? Let us see. 
let's look at some of the verses and passages. Let's go to the New Testament. In Mark 10, verse number 6, in the Lord's marvelous exposition with the Pharisees, it was on that occasion that the Lord had been asked a question about divorce and remarriage in particular. You might remember they said, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And Jesus quickly, in answer to them, in essence said, Have you never read? In other words, there is an authority that has spoken on this subject. Have you never read? It is not left to humanity to decide what and what is not acceptable grounds for divorce. Have you never read? Even that, at that point, Jesus said, God has spoken on that subject too. But our focus for now, Jesus in verse 6 said, From the beginning, God hath made them male and female. And we each understand the text to which the Lord refers. He takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, in which it is there said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And then in verse 27, the very next passage, it says, God made them male and female, again made in His image. The Lord, as He made reference and allusion to that, He said, from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Now, we've cast the spotlight so far, really, on that part, He made them male and female, but did you notice the prepositional phrases the Lord used? He said, from the beginning of the creation. Isn't that amazing? I have asked you to consider what that means. Jesus said then, humans have been here since the beginning of the creation. That means there weren't billions of years from the time God made it until the time humans appeared. Now remember, there are some who say between Genesis 1 and 2, stick in billions and billions of years so that it'll match with scientific evolution. Jesus said it can't be. And the Lord was there. If anybody knows, He should. For in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, it says He made it. If anybody knows what took place, it ought to be the Master. He said from the beginning of the creation. So humans have been here, in essence, since the very beginning of the creation, taking us, stretching all the way back to near the absolute beginning. So that tells us something. Might I suggest, in essence, what that tells us? Remember, our question was this, how old is the earth? You and I have just seen from the statements of Jesus that humans are about the same age as earth. There can't be much difference between them because Jesus said humans have been here since the beginning of the creation. So if you and I can find the age of humanity, we, in essence, will know how old earth is. But to amplify that point, look at Romans 1 verse 20 and what, the Lord, or what Paul said on this occasion. As Paul was beginning this treatise, this epistle to the Roman brethren, he said to them, For the invisible things from the creation are clearly seen, being determined by the things that are made. Now as you notice, those invisible things of Him from the foundation of the earth, from the foundation of the world, being clearly seen, you'll notice that that implies the following. The invisible things of Him. The word Him refers to God. The invisible things of God 
from the foundation of the world are clearly seen. What does that mean? Being understood by the things that are made. Now who is it that God has given the power of understanding to? Humanity. Trees can't understand. Rocks don't understand. You and I understand. We have been given by God the capability of thinking, analysis, synthesis, and reason. But Paul said, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. If you and I may, in fact, consider what Paul said, he said from the very beginning, there have been people here who can appreciate God's glorious creation. And they can testify to the fact that He made it. But what again does that mean? Paul said from the very beginning of the creation. Thus one more time we see that there have been people here from the very occasion, from the very near the beginning when He made it. It's not that billions of years later man somehow dragged himself out of some soup and evolved into being something that could finally appreciate it. That appreciation has been going on all along. Now with all that having been said, we've again reached this conclusion. Humans and the earth are about the same age. There's not much difference. So if we can ascertain from this book how long humanity has been here, we will basically know how old the earth is. Now, the very first human being was Adam. Paul said so in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The first man was Adam. That's what Paul said. So, that again tells us there wasn't some Neanderthal caveman before him who was dragging his knuckles around on the ground. It simply was not the soul. All of these stories we hear about cavemen, humped over things, covered with hair, and they call them pre-man. Those people never existed. They are figments of human imagination. And National Geographic is a master at presenting these elaborate pictures of things that never were. Have you ever thought about Adam and the kind of person he was? Was he a man of intelligence? Was he some ancient brute who in fact would have very little resemblance to you and me? He would be a lot like you and me. He communicated. God gave him commands and he understood them. You ever thought about that? Not only that, I'd submit he had a memory a lot better than mine, I'd have to say. I'll let you answer for yourself. In Genesis chapter 2, do you remember one of the commands that God gave him? You name the animals. Adam named them. That suggests to me that not only did he name them, he remembered what names he gave them so he could pass the names down to his sons. That's a pretty good memory. Adam was a very intellectual being, just as much as you and me. He was never some ancient, brute kind of a thing. As I said before, those cavemen kind of pictures never describe reality. Even though our children are told that they did, even though they're asked to learn their names, to regurgitate on tests some of the features that teachers tell them about them, they never existed. What else might we say? From what we've studied, the earth is only five days older than man. 
Remember, man came along on day six. The earth came about in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The Lord God formed. I remember we learned that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. So if we can find the age of man, we will basically have the answer to our question. With that, we can rather quickly proceed to this. I thought it would at least be interesting to consider this thought. If it's our interest to look at those days, those creation days, you just heard me say that only a few days separate the age of earth and the age of man, then I suppose we ought to at least revisit and think about that statement that some make. Well, those, eight, those days are not literal. Now, I'll be the first to say that there are some passages in the Bible and there is in some ways in our common conversation, you can use the word day in a non-literal fashion. Now, how do we know that Moses is using it literally? When he says the evening and the morning were the first day, and the evening and the morning were the second day, and the third day, and so on. Well, consider with me these. First of all, that makes complete sense based on the other passages in the Old Testament. Not the least of which is Leviticus 24.3 and Exodus 16.8. The Hebrews numbered their days from evening to evening. You and I are used to our day starting at midnight. Their day didn't start at midnight. It started at sundown, basically about 6 p.m. They started their day there and you'd go to the next sundown to complete that day and start the next one. So when the Bible says evening and morning, it makes perfect sense that evening would be mentioned before morning because, of course, it came first in each one of the days. But not only that, think about what it does to reason if you take the fact that, or take the consideration that those days were not literal. Remember, it said that on day three the plants came along. Doesn't that mean that there had to be a long, long time in which those plants were in complete darkness? What sense biologically does that make? If you put a plant in darkness, it's not going to survive long. We're going to need to move on to our next slide, if I may. I would point out the Exodus 20, verse 8 statement. Moses there said, The Lord God formed the earth, the seas, and all that is in it, in this extended period of only six days, the universe and everything in it. So that helps us, in fact, see the following point. If our interest is to determine how old the earth is, and I do want us to answer that before our time is up, we've learned that if we can ascertain the age of mankind, we will have our answer. So if Adam's the first human, if we could somehow find the time between now back to Adam, that's got to be the answer. So let's divide that into three quick areas. From the current time back to Jesus is easy to answer. That's about 2,000 years, right? Our calendar tells us that. We live in the year 2010 A.D. That A.D. means Anno Domini, which in Latin means in the year of our Lord. Our calendar tells us it's been 2,000 years back to the Savior. Then, let's go from Jesus back to Abraham. Now again, we know that without any question. Secular history will even tell you that, but the Bible does too in passages like 1 Kings 6 verse 1. That too is about 2,000 years. 
So we add the two together, we now know it's 2,000 years from the time of Abraham till now. Roughly 2,000 years. Only one piece of the puzzle is left. How much time was it from Adam to Abraham? If we can answer that one, all we would need to do is add that figure to 4,000 and we will have the age of the earth. There's only one place that information is given. It's in Genesis chapters 5 and 11. In those two chapters, we find a list of genealogical information. So-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. But I might suggest there is chronological information in it too because we know the age of the father when the son was born. All we have to do is add up all the figures. And that will tell us how much time elapsed between Adam and Abraham. And so we're all wondering, so how many years is it? If you go and add it up, you'll find it to be roughly 2,000 years. So, 2,000 years, Adam to Abraham. 2,000 years, Abraham to Jesus. 2,000 years, Jesus till now. That means the whole earth is not much over 6,000 years old. And there's the answer to our question. Thus, when evolution asks you to compromise that and go into the billions of years, it is a great mistake. For it, in fact, causes you to call into question what God has said. Thank you so much for your attention, for your uh, very interested looks as, as I was attempting to present that information. I hope that we'll each be better informed as to what the actual age of this planet is.